2: Let your creativity bloom this spring with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. How doers get more done.
1: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of spoken word entertainment. Get a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up today. Log on to slash stuff today for details.
2: Hey there, everybody. My name is Chris Paulette. I'm an editor here at How Stuff Works. Welcome to the podcast. Today I have sitting next to me, as he is usually sitting in his normal. Chair, uh, senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Smooth, palette. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks for pointing that out. Yeah. Well, I'm, uh, anyway, uh, we, uh, this is a little surprising to be, uh, talking to you about this particular podcast because it was actually once going to be part of another podcast. And then yeah. we found out it was that Way half too long. was. The length of a normal podcast. Yeah.
0: yeah. This was one of those times where we think, hey, we can talk about this for 20 minutes. And it turns out we're right. We can talk about it for 40, in fact. Yep. So we decided to um, to cut short the last podcast. Now, of course, if you listened to the last podcast, it was all about Steve Jobs. And uh, this podcast, we're going to talk about uh, kind of a counterpart to Steve Jobs, good old uh, William H. Gates. Or, the third. Or the third. or. Billy Hank, as I like to call him.
2: Yeah. Now, um, the reason we picked these two guys uh, for those of you who weren't listening for the last podcast is because you know they're they're both the same age. Uh, they they started companies w- when they were twenty years old mm-hmm. back in nineteen seventy five. There are a lot of parallels between these two giants in the tech industry. They're both college dropouts. Yeah, exactly. Which is one of those things that you I didn't even realize about both of them. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's so many parallels between these guys, and yet they're so different. Right. And uh, last time we we got so wrapped up in talking about uh, Steve Jobs and all his idiosyncrasies that we uh, didn't have enough we didn't time, get time, for time Gates. to get to So to let's Bill Gates. let's
0: dive right in, shall we? Sure. So Gates, he grew up over in uh, Seattle, and uh, and he was very interested in computers uh, at an early, early age. Um, he actually went to uh, to a, uh, an elementary school. Uh, where he learned about software and programming um when he was 13 years old and that was pretty much what sealed the deal he decided that computers were really really cool and he wanted to know all about them and uh and work with them and uh and boy did he
2: yeah um as we mentioned in the last podcast uh in the early 70s people didn't have computers on their desktops if you weren't around for that time period right. um this you know this personal computer thing is actually Really, it's it's because of Bill Gates and Steve Jobs and right. a lot of other very, very important uh, people who worked with them. But, I mean, these guys were at the forefront of this, and they people weren't interested in having a computer in their house.
0: Well, they didn't even think didn't it was care. possible. Yeah. Because back at that time, you were mainly talking about big mainframe computers that would take up an entire floor of a building. Oh, no kidding. And not not something that you would be able to fit in your house, much less on a desk.
2: Yeah,
0: um, and it's really due to the work of people like Gates and Jobs that that changed. Now, Jobs, of course, he was really focusing on building the hardware, building a, uh, a, a an actual computer system from from the ground up. Uh, whereas Gates was more interested in the software part of the equation, less interested in building physical machines. He wanted to make the stuff that would run on the machines that other people were building.
2: Yeah, as as a matter of fact, uh, you know, Gates was really into programming, and as a Harvard uh, freshman in 1973, he was uh, already working on an operating system. He
0: also met someone who had become very important in Microsoft's uh, history as well.
2: Oh yeah, who was that? That would be Steve Ballmer. Oh, yeah. He he mentioned that, didn't he? The the guy who was always down the hall shouting developers, developers, right, exactly. developers. If you
0: don't know what what Paulette is referring to here, I suggest you go on YouTube, type in Balmer. That's B-A-L-L-M-E-R and developers, and you will be entertained for literally minutes.
2: <laughs> and is, the next time you hear the word developers, you will not be able to not think. It's of actually FC kind one. of frightening. But, Steve Ballmer's uh, an
0: intense guy.
2: Yes, and and again another important person uh, in the the development of the tech industry. But we were we're going to focus on Gates here. I'm I'm right, totally right. off track. Back to I'm Gates. Sorry, I made sorry I made the joke. But- so
0: so Gates, he's interested in computers. He's at Harvard. Uh, he he's working uh, on developing programming languages based off of Basic. Yes. Um and uh, then. Junior year rolls around and he decides, um, he'd rather focus on the computing aspect and less on his studies. So
2: he drops out. And, uh, that's when he, uh, hooks up with another giant in the tech industry, yes. Paul Allen. Right. And founds a little company you probably heard of called Microsoft. Yep. Yeah. So that's all the way back to
0: 1975. Now people, when people think Microsoft now, they, they're probably mainly thinking of Windows. But yes. this is this is decades before Windows becomes a player at all. Yeah. Um, but they were interested in operating systems. It's just the operating systems they were looking at were all text-based operating systems like
2: DOS. DOS, exactly. Disk operating system.
0: Now, if uh if you've never used DOS, um then and and if your knowledge of operating systems mainly comes from graphic-based interfaces like Windows or the Mac operating system, um DOS required you to learn certain commands that you would use to navigate through and find files and execute files. And Stay, sit, heal. It was, um, it was, it was kind of, uh, kind of a labyrinth that you had to go through. You had to really learn a, a, a lexicon, if you will, of commands. But here's the flip side of it. It was lightning fast.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, cause you didn't have to worry about driving graphics or anything like that. The, the, program, the operating system was just amazingly fast. Even if you were running an older machine, you weren't waiting around forever for something Uh to execute.
2: But this is where computers got their reputation for being difficult to use. Right. Um, Which, again, if you're younger, you might not remember a time when that was a deal. But uh, yeah, this was was a problem that plagued early computer manufacturers like IBM when they, they entered the personal computer market was, oh, well, why would I want to do that? Computers are hard to use. Well, of course, you had to learn all these DOS commands, uh, and it just wasn't very intuitive. No. So
0: that's – we're jumping ahead quite a few years here because it was several years to develop uh, the graphics-based um, interface, although other companies had taken a stab at it before Microsoft did. Um Xerox was one of them, and even Apple with the Macintosh operating system um, had found ways of using a graphic-based interface. But the thing about IBM-based computers, which eventually morphed into PCs, um, that's what enterprises had adopted. Those were the, those were the computers that businesses uh, picked up because they were, for some, they, they were really seen as kind of utilitarian. They weren't the sexy computers of the Macintosh world but they were known as workhorses horses so you've got all these you know you've got a huge customer base already built into this and um so when microsoft windows came out everyone thought of it as revolutionary even though technically it had been
2: done before yeah that's that's one thing to remember about uh, bill gates is that um while he was interested in programming up front, uh, he's definitely a shrewd business person. Oh, definitely. And he can recognize a market when he sees it. Um, and uh, part of the reason, that the funny thing is, um, and this is Really, from personal experience, part of the reason that uh, PCs were so popular with enterprises was because they were hard to use. They seemed like they were serious business machines. Yeah. So, you know, they were for creating spreadsheets and crunching numbers. And that's what you do at a business is, you know, because they didn't have Facebook yet.
0: Right. <laughs> and, and Gates was very shrewd at forming partnerships with, uh, computer manufacturers, mm-hmm. he was able to get the Windows operating system off on computers as soon as they were coming off of the, the lines, so the production lines. So suddenly now you have a, an operating system that's on most of the computers that are out there. By default, most people are going to be familiar with that system over any other because that's the, that's the default operating system. You know, you didn't have a whole lot of choices. It was either going to be a Macintosh or a PC that's running some sort of Microsoft
2: operating system. That's right. Uh, Microsoft actually got into the DOS business first. Right. Uh, they had their own brand of of DOS, MS DOS, which uh, I believe was was purchased primarily. But um, I think I think Bill Gates actually did some work on that in the coding department because yeah. this was this was still in the early days, and he wasn't all into the uh, administration part of it yet. Um, but then they were also, Microsoft was also in the business of writing applications for a host of different systems, like, I don't know, this little thing called the Macintosh. And for a long time, uh, the best business software for the Mac was all the Office Suite. That's where it got its start. Right. Um, so they, you know, before it decided to crush the living daylights out of Apple, Microsoft actually used Apple as a starting point. Uh, you know, they made a lot of money from the from the Apple computers. They actually did stuff for the uh, Apple II as well. Right, right. So, um, you know, we're we're talking IBM PCs. Uh, you know, the operating system plus uh, applications for the for the Mac and for other Apple computers. So he, you know, Bill pretty much had a grasp on everything he needed to to get a good foothold in the computer market.
0: Yeah. And when he started bundling things together, Microsoft products together with the Windows system, it was pretty much game over at that point for a lot of different software uh, companies. Oh, sure. Because automatically you have a leg up. You don't suddenly the user, when they buy the computer and bring it home, plug it in, turn it on. There's a a whole suite of programs right there that they can use. And usually there was some sort of trial version and you could purchase a, a full version later. Um, but it meant that you didn't have to go out shopping for these programs. You had your word processor there, and you had your spreadsheet application there. And uh, and actually, Microsoft caught a lot of flack for that. There were a lot of uh, antitrust lawsuits being thrown around um, saying that it was not fair that Microsoft not only had a stranglehold on the operating system market, but also the applications market.
2: Well, if and if you don't believe us, there were there are things that uh, were essentially speed bumps for Microsoft to get where it is today, and those things are called WordPerfect, yes, and uh, uh, one, two, three, Lotus, Lotus Notes, one,
0: two, three, yeah,
2: and uh, Netscape, yeah, and these these companies uh, again, if you're younger and are not familiar with these companies, they were huge in their individual markets, but as soon as Microsoft came out with a competitor. Um, and the more integrated the operating system became it, it uh you know had leverage over the other over people who really didn't want to go looking for other stuff and face it we're creatures of convenience
0: yeah and and you think about it the operating system they could design the operating system to work so well with these applications and have these applications work so well with each other so well being a relative term i mean if you've used word and tried to import stuff from powerpoint or excel you might disagree, but in general, working really well together, uh, you can see where that would seem like a completely unfair advantage because they can build everything so that their programs work flawlessly. Not only that, but there were allegations every now and then that Microsoft was going to great lengths to build in systems that would hamper other programs so they wouldn't run as well on Windows.
2: Um, I've, I've heard comp- conspiracy theorists say that they uh, that Microsoft actually built the IT industry on purpose um, you know right. fostering Windows certification programs by having so much buggy software
0: yeah people who uh, uh, bought the first part part of Vista might agree with you yeah okay yeah. so moving on so anyway so gates is, <laughs> yeah. gates is in the lead here and as Paulette pointed out uh, he was moving on into a more administrative role although he was still the chief software architect. For Microsoft for for many more years. Oh sure, um, but I'd
2: like to point out to all those people who said that people shouldn't pick on Bill Gates because he wrote Windows. He didn't write Windows. No, he did not. He did not write Windows.
0: He was very good at championing it.
2: Oh sure, he, he he's can... he's outstanding at, at at basically everything he's done. He's you know gone from the software programmer to you know an administrator to a marketing genius. Yes, too. Except for Seinfeld's you know, good buddy. I was gonna say taking a shower in his shoes, right. trying to soften them up, they run tight, yeah, they do <laughs> they are doors um but yeah i mean it 's obvious the the effect that he, he he and his company um of course he he wouldn't have been able to do this without thousands and thousands of t- extremely talented people, but he built that company uh with some pretty amazing. Uh,
0: And here's an interesting point I wanted to bring up. Now, of course, we talked about Jobs last week and we're talking about Gates. Now, one of the things I wanted to point out as a difference between the two is that in a way you could say that Jobs created a company that almost revolves around him at this point. Like if Jobs were to leave the company or something were to happen to him, you would see the shares drop pretty dramatically. Most people think anyway. Mm -hmm. Gates, however, created a company and then – according to people within Microsoft tried to build a company that could continue and be successful even without his direct influence. Sure. So in a way jobs created a cult and (laughs) Gates created a company. Right. So that's kind of an interesting thing. And here's another thing that I should point out. He had a style that was very much like jobs, style in the sense that he had extremely high, uh, expectations for everyone who worked for him. Absolutely, And he was not shy about pointing it out when you failed to meet those expectations. No. And there are several reports that came out of Microsoft from former workers who said that Gates doesn't tend to dole out positive reinforcement that often, but he will be very quick to point out when he thinks you're not doing the right thing. Um, And someone else pointed out, they said, if Gates argues with you, Right. That's not a bad thing, because it means that he cares. It's right. when Gates doesn't talk to you or doesn't bring anything up that you need to start worrying. Right. So I'm like, well, wow, uh, scary guy. <laughs> uh, the word that most people use is intense.
2: Yeah, yeah. Nonetheless, uh, Microsoft does have a reputation of taking pretty good care of its employees, yes. and it's a, a you know got a reputation for being a very good place to work, a uh, place where people have uh, been able to do. Um, to try new projects and things, not maybe on the same, uh, in the same way that Google has, but I think uh, Microsoft is directly responsible for a lot of the, uh, office atmospheres like Google.
0: Oh, definitely. Because people were
2: willing to take a chance on the, you know. Well, well, what happens if we nurture our employees? Well, sort of. One of the things angle. Gates
0: discovered was that I mean, he was thinking back to his college environment. Sure. And it was that if you have all the things that you enjoy when you're of you know the early 20s or whatever around you at work, you're less likely to want to go home at the end of the day. You may just stick around and do a couple more hours of coding because you know you've got some fun stuff around the office to keep you you know distracted once in a while, so you don't get totally burned out. So you know. Microsoft in the early days, they had like pinball machines and stuff in the office. And sure enough, it worked. I mean, he had coders who would work insane number of hours each week. And they didn't mind the fact that they weren't going home. Most of them didn't have really any families at this point. They were young. They were just out of college. So this is the same sort of atmosphere you see companies like Google kind of promoting today. And part of it is, yeah, you're nurturing your employees, but another part of it is, this is a good way for us to get the absolute most out of the people who work for us with with just some simple investments.
2: Well, that's true. And I, I, (laughs) I, I want to say too, that for the longest time, I'll admit this, you know, especially as a Mac person, um, and someone who only has used windows computers or at least primarily has used windows computers at work. So a member of the cult. Yeah. Um, and I was a member of another cult before that called the Amigans. Yes. Um, but, you know, I, I think a lot of people for a long time had this impression that, that Bill Gates, especially with the company being as monolithic as it is in the industry, um, that Bill Gates is this really tough, you know, very staid, buttoned up kind of guy. And uh, as it turns out, he's got a lot of other interests and a lot of uh, – he cares for other people too. I, I didn't realize until I started doing the research on this that he founded Corbis, the stock photography company right and yeah. still has a hand in it. So he's a you know a photography enthusiast. Sure. Um yeah. and of course he's a philanthropist too yes. on a Major scale that most philanthropists never even
0: touch. Yeah, it's it's beyond even the Ted Turner level. It's uh it's pretty impressive. Yeah, he he founded the the um Well, there's the Bill and Melinda co-founded the Bill and Melinda (laughs) Gates Foundation.
2: Yes, Melinda French was an employee of Microsoft. Yes, and uh, they were married on uh, January 1st, 1994. Right, and have three kids. Yes, Um, and that's that's something you know. He's a family guy, but you know, Bill and Melinda together founded this foundation, and
0: and it's all about investing in uh, ways to improve health worldwide. So they're not focusing on just one community or anything like that. They they have a genuine desire to promote health across the entire world. I mean, that's a very noble pursuit. And, Absolutely. And, and the fact that he's he's pouring billions of dollars into this. I mean, it's it, there was a one interview where he he said he gave 36 billion dollars to the foundation. That's I mean, I can't even imagine that much money. I, mean, I can't imagine 1 billion, let alone 36.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's actually more money than the uh, auto manufacturers were asking for as a group. Yeah, um, phenomenal. From the government. Um, But they also are involved in educational pursuits as Mm -hmm. well. They have donated a lot of computers and software to uh, schools that are underserved by uh, computer technology. Sure. Um, And they are interested in solving – actually, there's sort of a merger in between. They're interested in solving a lot of these problems, uh, medical problems, with technology. Finding technological means to to solve some of these problems, so it's uh, uh, pretty amazing some of the stuff he's done, and and you know, of course, he's had to scale back on his work at Microsoft.
0: So. Yeah, in fact, he's he's uh, in two thousand six, uh, he named Ray Ozzie as the new chief software architect, which was kind of the beginning of his transitioning away from Microsoft in a uh, in a lead role um Steve Ballmer who we mentioned way early in the podcast developers, he's the you know, developer he he's the new CEO um and uh, Gates is still the chairman sure but he has uh, he He's, he's decided to scale down his work at Microsoft. He's probably only putting in maybe 40 hour weeks now <laughs> instead of like the 90 hour weeks he used to do. Um, so yeah, it was June 27th, 2008 that he, he transitioned out of being the, the head of the company at that point and to focus more upon the foundation and his other philanthropic, uh, pursuits. Right. Um, I actually saw his final uh, keynote address at CES last year. And it was very entertaining. They had a full video about what Gates' last day would probably be like and what his retirement would be like. And it involved him calling up lots of celebrities and giving them advice that they did not want nor need. And uh was Jerry so Seinfeld it, in it? Jerry Seinfeld was in it. Uh-huh. There's the big surprise. So <laughs> that's the other thing is that, that Gates seems to have a real sense of humor about himself, especially – Now, I mean, uh, maybe if you, maybe if you went back to the 1980s gates, he would have been a little more focused and, and intense. uh, intense. But these days he's really willing to poke fun at himself in various ways and, uh, which is very clear from that video and from the Jerry Seinfeld commercials where, uh, it didn't seem to be promoting anything at all, really. It was just (laughs) these odd commercials that didn't really go anywhere and they weren't promoting anything. At the time, um, it was kind of to take the sting out of, uh a an issue that people had with uh Windows Vista which of course was one of the the latest versions of the Windows operating system a lot of people considered it to be inferior because early on there were uh, several issues with Windows Vista. People were having problems with it uh, crashing. Um, it wasn't. And there were some security issues. It got a lot of bad press, and because of that, a lot of the enterprise systems, you know, a lot of the, the businesses uh, decided to hold off on adopting Windows Vista, and they stuck around with like Windows XP or one of the other forms of Windows rather than upgrading to the latest version. And uh, so that's. Kind of. What's interesting now is that Windows Seven is already coming out in like uh, next year. I think it's supposed to be December two thousand nine. So maybe not two thousand ten just yet.
2: Yeah. But it may be uh, this year by the time you're listening to this. Brian. Right.
0: <laughs> well. And uh, but yeah. So Windows Seven coming out that that quickly because Vista hasn't been out that long. I mean, usually you've got a few years sure. between sure. between versions.
2: We have you know Windows ninety five, Windows ninety eight, yeah, two thousand. So yeah, you know,
0: but apparently even even Bill Gates occasionally lets people know when he thinks his product the products that Microsoft releases are not up to snuff. He's sent emails before complaining about having problems installing certain software programs using the Windows system and saying there shouldn't be a problem doing this fix it so when you're when your former you know CEO and uh, current chairman sends those emails, I guess you you tend to listen
2: yeah. That's true.
0: Interesting guy.
2: Yep. And, uh, you know, just another interesting thing about Bill Gates is that he's an author.
0: Oh, yes. Yeah.
2: Well, that uh, kind
0: of leads well into our sponsor.
2: Yes. We were going to talk about uh, audible.com.
0: Yes. You can go to www.audiblepodcast.com slash stuff to sign up over at audible.com. You get a free download. Uh, They have thousands and thousands of audio books, and we've picked out two that Bill Gates wrote himself.
2: Yes, one of those is uh, Business at the Speed of Thought Using a Digital Nervous System by William H. Gates III.
0: (laughs) Yes, and mine is The Road Ahead by Bill Gates. And that's uh, Gates' take on how the internet will affect all of our lives in various ways. Now, you can get either one of those or any other Audible book at at at, audible.com for a free download if you sign up at www.audiblepodcast.com slash stuff.
2: All right then. <laughs> well, I guess that's about all we've got for a for bit, Yeah,
0: the old the old one two swing. Jobs and gates. Okay, so you're a Mac guy. Yeah. I'm a PC guy. Yeah. So you're you're Justin Long and I'm John Hodgman. Hodgman. Um did uh doing research for this, does that change your opinion at all about uh the cult of jobs or I'm
2: still a mac o s guy yeah but so um, so
0: you like you like giving money to the least philanthropic company, yeah. Okay. Well, that's fair enough. I have a Mac too. I like my Mac. I enjoy Macs. And
2: I have a PC too. So yeah.
0: So we're, we're not go. really as, you know, we're not really as divided as we come across. Um, I, it's Neither just that, but here's the thing anymore. is that you've used, you've used Macs most of, for most of your computing post yeah. Amiga and I've used PCs right. for most of my computing post Apple IIe. Right. So that's really where we're coming from, but we both recognize the value of the other systems and, and truly we would not, be here at this job if it weren't for Jobs and Gates. That's true. So thank you guys. Awesome. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. (laughs) So if you guys want to learn more about these topics, you can read all about everything you can imagine on computers. How
2: PCs work.
0: Right. At HowStuffWorks.com right now. And we'll talk to you again really soon.
1: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?
0: Nissan's SUV has the capabilities to take you where you want to go. Learn more at NissanUSA.com.
2: As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds...
1: It was shocking.
2: I have to know. What were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm
1: in Washington.
2: Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning. Warning. It's even messier than you thought.
1: United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN.